This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 2.1 cast. Today, James and I join you from what seems like the loudest bar in the world. Uh, we hope you can hear us, uh, <laughs> yeah. but circumstances dictated that we couldn't do this in the quiet of, well, one of our flats really, I suppose. Um, I'm not complaining. Well, yeah, we've got a pint in our hands, so, I mean, we could basically spend the next half hour talking and no one could hear us, but we'll still have a pint in our hands, so. <laughs> and of course, we've decided we're going to talk about Scotland, which is probably another reason why we haven't, we have resorted to drinking, I guess. Yeah, we need it. We need it after the last few weeks. I mean, it's been, it's not been great for Big Ick. No, it hasn't. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we did consider doing other topics, but we do feel like this is probably the biggest one this week. Um, and we haven't really done one in Scotland in a while. And essentially it is, should Alex McLeish still be Scotland manager? Um, James, let's just kick straight into it. I mean, what's your what's been your kind of general reaction to the Israel game, and what's just kind of unravelled since then, really? Uh, I mean, I think pretty much everyone that watched the game the other night would have said that it was disheartening, to say the least. Um, it's it a wee bit out of left field as well, I think. In that against Albania, we looked really good. We'd addressed the problems that we sort of generally have. I think historically, you know, we looked dominant. We looked confident, you know, we went for it and looked surprisingly solid at the back, I'd say. Compare that to Friday night against Israel and it's just chalk and cheese, it was like, you know, we were really, really poor in every department, you know, there was absolutely, it looked like we were absolutely going there playing for the draw, you know, okay, we took the lead, arguably somewhat fortuitously, and then that's like the only high point I think you can get from the entire game, I mean, you know, we were sitting with like eight or nine men behind the ball the entire time. Like poor Johnny Russell and Stephen Naismith. Like they must have had forty yards between them and the rest of the team. They're just like so isolated up there. And yeah, I mean, it is worrying going forward. In that, you know, I think these, the Nations League does really provide a fantastic opportunity for Scotland to actually qualify for a major tournament. And it looks like right now we're blowing it because I don't know if it's. I think partly the blame comes down to Alex McLeish and I think the tactics that he employs. Uh, but part of it also falls down to the players as well. I mean, I think uh, I wrote a piece on Friday talking about the game. The word that just from to mind was lacklustre. Mm. And I think that, yeah, that's the one word that I just can't escape from. It just looks so passive. We're just happy to let Israel take control of the game. And okay, fine. Obviously, John Sutter's dismissal helped that. But, you know, the amount of like, crosses they were getting into the box, the amount of opportunities they had, and just contrast that with our own performance, it's just, it, yeah, I think it's really worrying going forward. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the Israel result really took a lot of people by surprise, actually, myself included. Um, I don't think anyone really expected that to happen. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of went into this, this group thinking, great, we've got two nations who we can actually really properly pick up points off of you know there's no Ukraine or Holland or England or anyone like that you know um, and I do kind of feel like Friday night's result was a wake-up call to an extent you know I, I did kind of find myself 
trying to take an optimistic look at it. Well, not really an optimistic look, but a kind of less pessimistic look. Um, and I, and I, I, actually, I wrote something for the website Monday, actually, on this, because I had a good weekend to think about it. And I thought, well, it's undoubtedly a poor result. And when you look at the performance, there's no doubt that A, the tactics were all wrong, and B, just across the whole team, uh, the players just didn't seem to know what they were doing. And that meant that players like pretty consistent performers like Stephen Naismith or Andy Robertson uh, or even Cal McGregor or Stuart Armstrong uh, not Stuart Armstrong but Cal McGregor particularly um, they didn't really seem to know what they were doing and that just seemed to seep through the whole game it just seemed like you know it really did feel like that scene in Space Jam where they lose all their powers and they're suddenly limbless you know spineless creatures that don't have any idea what they're doing and and, and yeah you look at that and you're like, right, well, Alex McLeish has got something seriously, seriously wrong here. And I don't, th I don't think there's any doubt over that. But my issue is that I think when you take that result in the grand scheme of Scotland, the Scotland national team, in my lifetime, it's not actually that peculiar. You know, um, I think I, when I looked it up, I think the only teams that Scotland had won against on the road and Gordon Strachan's last four years in charge were Lithuania, Malta and Gibraltar. They won, they won away international friendlies against, uh, I think they got results against Poland, the Czech Republic maybe. But, you know, we've never really been a nation for, in, in, in the modern game anyway, who's, able to, who's been able to go out and grind out results on the road. And I mean, I'm talking, and I don't even just mean win games, I mean even like, Obviously, the Slovenia game comes to mind where we had to win and we just looked so dejected in that match. Everyone thought we were going to go there and win that game and we just looked at odds with the circumstances. Gibraltar, eh, not Gibraltar, Georgia as well. You know, just two just two games to bring to mind under Gone Strachan's reign. Scotland have always been a country that not only, at least in my lifetime, struggled on the road, but have also struggled when expectation slight, shifts slightly in their favour especially against these kind of medium-sized nations like ourselves um, and you know once I stopped crying after the after the game or whatever uh, I didn't actually cry but you know um, once I kind of got over it I just thought oh well you know what that's actually kind of typical of Scotland and although McLeish undoubtedly deserves criticism for the manner in which we lost I don't think he deserves full credit because it, it seemed more endemic than just what McLeish could have done if you know what I mean but then you say that, but then like when you look at the tactics on the night, I mean it's just I mean, obviously we know McLeish is a defensive coach. He's not adventurous. He's not particularly gung ho. But at the same time, I mean, you can be if you're going to be defensive, at least be good at it. Like you know, we were essentially playing a back five, and yet there was still space in between the fullbacks and the centre backs that kept on getting exposed time and time again. Like I thought, yeah, like Robertson and O'Donnell both had really poor games. I thought. And then even somebody like Kieran Tierney, who I mean, obviously after the game, Robertson was saying that you know McLeish should just shoehorn these two players in, and to the extent that neither of them were playing in position, and yeah, to the extent that's true. But Tierney's shown he can do centre back, and he's normally much better than than then than he was the other night. But this, every time, it's just I don't understand how you can play with that many men behind the ball and yet still have gaps at the back. It's, it's like that takes some doing. I'll tell you how Kevin McDonald. That's how. <laughs> yeah. I spent an entire match screaming at my television, watching this man. Um, 
he doesn't follow his runners he, he doesn't rush out to close players down he doesn't do anything I honestly couldn't figure out what he did in that game um, and I thought Scotland looked far better on the Sunday and against Portugal when Stuart Armstrong was in his place um, but I, I totally take your point and I actually agree with you largely um, I think the one thing that's kind of worrying me is that I think not only was the result bad, but I think the fallout afterwards has also been quite troubling and quite damaging for Alex, Alex McLeish because, as you said, as you referenced, immediately after the match, Robertson came out and basically lambasted him, saying, neither I or Kieran Tierney are playing in our right positions, neither of us really know what we're doing. And I actually noticed throughout the game that Kieran Tierney was actually, he was actually really far forward at times. Like, he's meant to be one of the centre-backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was almost playing like the one-twos with Robertson and stuff because he just couldn't help it to an extent. Um, you then have players like, like I said, McDonald, who doesn't really fit into that team. Uh, I thought Johnny Russell and Naismith were okay, but like you said, they were all over the place for a large points thing as well. O'Donnell looked troubled from the start. I actually kind of defended McLeish's decision to play O'Donnell because I thought he was one of the best players against Albania. So I thought, well, you can't just kick him out the team. Yeah, um, But you could tell from within about 10 minutes he was getting so much trouble from the left winger. Um, and no no help came at all. It wasn't even until really James Forrest came on and he just kind of had that kind of natural inclination to track back, which is obviously picked up at Celtic. Um, but my issue is that, um, you know, sure, the result on the day was bad, but you, ha you then had Robertson coming out um, and saying, you know, what I've just referenced there. And it kind of picks, and then McLeish wasn't entirely forgiving it wasn't entirely remorseful of what just happened um, he said he wasn't going to change the system um, it's, it wasn't really it wasn't as if he had turned into Jose Reno all of a sudden he was, he was still a pretty normal bloke but it didn't feel as though he said look I've totally got this wrong we have to go back to the drawing boards and what really bothered me as well was the fact that what really chimed with me with Robertson's outburst was that when you kind of couple that with the weird habit or the weird trend we're now seeing of a lot of key players actually pulling out the squad entirely so obviously Robert Snodgrass pulled out injured afterwards um, beforehand you had Ryan Fraser pulling out uh, obviously Lee Griffiths had pulled out beforehand guys like Matt Ritchie haven't been in the squad um, it's worrying to me that there's at least five or six players who would probably be starting for Scotland but for one reason or another have pulled out a team. Um, Tom Kearney is another one actually, that's what I was thinking of. You know, you have half a squad there, half a starting living of players who are pulling out, who aren't entirely doing it out of entire, I know Lee Griffiths was claimed injured and he probably had some legitimate arguments for that. And I'm sure some of the other guys did too. But we're talking about guys like Ryan Fraser who've been playing the full season, you know, for the club. Uh, Tom Kearney's has been very bizarre. There's some suspicions that he's still hoping to get a cap for England, which baffles me. But, you know, there's a trend there I'm worried about. And if these guys had already decided they, they don't want to play for Scotland because maybe McLeish, you've then got guys who are in the squad who are coming out after the result as well who aren't being entirely respectful of them either. Yeah, like, I think that's a really good point in that, yeah, you, you do, like, like, playing for Scotland at the moment is not an attractive proposition in that, you know, we, we play fairly dull football and more often than not we lose as well so yeah as I say it's, it's a difficult position to be in um, and I was just really disappointed on particularly going back to the Israel game I think that there were we really need someone in midfield particularly that could pick the ball up and drive it on like even just 10 yards would do 
because anytime anyone got the ball, they were immediately looking up for a pass, and it wasn't apparent because the entire team's behind the ball to begin with. So, like, do you know what you think that'd be like McGinn's role in the squad and his and his team? And, and again, it, he's not being able to replicate his club form for country, and I don't think he's really been able to do that at all under McLeish. So whether or not maybe it's just McLeish doesn't know how to get the best out of him, I'm not too sure. But I mean, for instance, when James Forrest came on, like he did that to an extent because obviously that's what he's that's what he's purpose built for, and. I thought we, he, he did okay, but it's just when you sort of look at this starting and you think, well, we were never going to be able to do that. And you sort of wonder, like, what did McLeish think was going to happen? Like, how did he plan? Because obviously he was going into that game thinking, uh, I'll, I know, I'll do this and that way we'll win. But I don't know, it, just, it didn't seem like we offered a threat in any way at all. There was no one from midfield going to drive with the ball. There was no one up front who was on to like really take responsibility, maybe come deep, come a bit deeper to collect the ball. There was no one in defence who was willing to go out and tackle the Israeli players or just even block their crosses. So you just sort of think, well, what what was the plan? Because it looked like as the plan was, okay, well, we'll sit behind the ball, we'll stifle them, and hopefully that'll be enough. But like in that case, you need to either man mark players or you need to stop the crosses coming in in the first instance. And we did neither. So it's like, well. What was, the, what, what was the plan? Because I mean, without Alan McGregor in goal, that game could have been much worse as well. I mean, it was only 2-1, but as you say, it's not the result which is disappointing. It's the nature of the performance in that we offered no threat going forward. The midfield is absent, and in defence, we were just entirely passive. So you just think, like, there's not one area of the pitch where we even did moderately well. And even McLeish didn't even think to didn't even try and change the approach at any, any point in time. So, I just, uh, yeah, first, I, I blame McLeish a lot for that defeat. Uh, I think that since he's came on board, performances have probably slipped altogether. But at the same time, having said that, it's still very early days and I don't think it's quite time for him to get the boot yet. Right, you've jumped my gum there because I was about to ask a second question by saying, you know, We've, we've, we've now dissected the uh, the result, the Israeli game. Looking forward, a huge amount of the feedback from that game has been fans arguing that McLeish has to go. Where where do we both stand on that? You go first, then I'll kind of jump in afterwards. Well, you've, got, you've obviously just said, yeah. but go a little further into it, really. Yeah, so I, I think that, I think it's fair to say Scotland have gotten worse than they were under Strachan. I mean, you know, McLeish's record is he's played, he's been charged for eight games. We've won two and lost six. We've scored five goals and conceded 13, which is pretty uninspiring stuff, you know. But at the same time, it is early days. And I, I, I'm a big believer in giving a coach time. Having said that, at the moment, it doesn't really look as if we're improving or we're even building towards something. I think that there's only really been two games in McLeish's tenure so far where we've not really disappointed, which was the away win against Hungary, the friendly, and obviously the home game to Albania. But apart from that, we've lost every game, but it's not only that we've lost, it's the, it's the manner in which we've lost. And it, that's the really worrying thing. If we're, playing, if, we're, if we're giving it a go and losing, I don't think there's many Scotland fans that would have much too much of a problem with that. But it's the fact that you know, we're not even having a goal. Like, we're not even trying to seize the initiative. We're not even trying to overcome the opposition. We're just sort of going out there, 
hoping for the best and I don't see that changing anytime soon so I'd say yeah it's probably still a little premature to be sacking Alex McLeish but I reckon he'll be gone within the year. Okay interesting I mean where I kind of fall on that isn't too far off your own point actually but I think I think ultimately where I land on is we have to basically give him this Nations League campaign because at the end of the day he's only played two competitive matches and he's only lost one of them and he's won the other one quite impressively in my opinion I know well you can't even say it's only Albania because we're only bloody Scotland okay so you know he can only beat what's in front of him and to an extent he's done that one out of two times you know I kind of I've been kind of talking to people about this over the last three or four days and I do kind of get the impression that we as a country kind of underestimated Israel you know Going into, the comp- going into the game, all I read about was how poor Israel were. But, you know, in actual fact, they were about five minutes away from drawing with Romania earlier in the season, or earlier in the year. Last year, they lost only 1-0 to Spain, 2-1 to Italy, and then maybe another tight draw to um, Macedonia. So, you know, they're a team who can really make things difficult for even the very best sides when they want to be. Um, so... Yeah, the, you're right. As we've just mentioned, you know, there was the performance alone in Israel was uh, cause for caution, but I don't think it's enough to completely derail what we're trying to achieve here because Scotland can still qualify through the Nations League. We still can win the group. We're still top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean... Are we, oh, are we? Well... Uh, no, Israel beat Albania, didn't they? No, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. On Sunday night, sorry. Never mind. We're not, but we were. We're not top. <laughs> but we can still finish top and... I feel as though we have to basically give McLeish that time to do exactly that. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, and you know, I take on I take your point on about um, you know his the performances haven't been better probably than they were under Strachan. I think there's a you can certainly make an argument that the reason behind that is because he's basically having to try and rebuild an entire squad here. Strachan had a squad that he basically taken to exactly where it could go, and it was very clear for everyone to see by the end of it that. You know, the players they were using were of a certain age. The average age of the squad was like 29 or something like that. There was no young players coming through. And by the end of it, there wasn't even a system in place, really. It was really just about bringing 11 guys in the pitch and hoping they do something. There was no long-term plan in there. So McLeish obviously had to come in and shake that up. And he has an extent done that. He's really, I think he, something he deserves credit for. He's genuinely looking at Scottish Premiership and tried to implement players from it. As we've seen McGregor, James Forrest. No Forrest played partially under striking um, there's a whole bunch of other players who came in um, so I have to give him credit for that I know he's perf- and, I, and, I, and, I, and when some people and you know when people do say oh well he's only won two out of eight games I'm like well they played Belgium they played Portugal he had to go to South America which wasn't his decision and you know when I speak to people at Scottish FA they say there's actually a lot of they took a lot of good feedback from that competition because it was basically a B team a lot of the guys never went away with Scotland before so, you know, there are positives to take from these things. And when people do say he's only won two out of eight games to me, I'm like, well, you're not really... That's a mis... I think that's a misguided way of looking at it to an extent. But, however, it comes down to results at the end of the day. And there's a reason why only about under 20,000 people were at the game on Sunday against Portugal. And that's because there's a malaise about the Scotland team. And that's something the Clash is going to have to fix. He has to rebuild the team, but he also has to pick up results immediately. Um, and he's only going to be able to do that when he wins games and ultimately that's how we have to define it but I am I am wary of people who and I know neither of us have seen this but I, I have been kind of overcome by the amount of people who want to sack him now 
and I can't help but feel a lot of that comes from people who already had their opinions on him before he joined. I think we all did, obviously, because he's a former Scotland manager. And certainly wasn't my first pick, but I do kind of get the impression that a lot of people made up their minds about McLeish a long time ago, and they've just been waiting for the wheels to fall off the car so they could say, I told you so. Um, a lot of times when I talk to people on Twitter, they make it very personal about him. Um, and, you know, as I've just said there, they try and twist things to say, well, you know, he's, he hasn't won enough games. Well, he's never going to beat Belgium or Costa Rica or Mexico or Portugal. No one really wants him to. Um, ultimately, I think it comes down to these these next couple of games against Albania and Israel. And if he does that, then, you know, we've got a chance of qualifying. And I think the crowds will come back and then he deserves that time. But I think the idea of sacking him now after two games is baffling to me. It really does. No, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, just in terms of, I mean, at the same time, I do sort of think if things are getting worse and they don't look like they're improving, which, which they don't, they just don't. Like you know, I, I really, I'm not saying we should. Did you, know, you we think take they back looked, tracking, But do you think? Did you think they looked like they were improving after the Albania game? Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'm just being fickle. Yeah, you're right. So you're if, right, they, yeah. if they beat Israel at Hamden, would you be back on on board? Uh, okay, that, okay, fair point. Fair <laughs> idea. It's okay, you got me, you got me. But um, it just, yeah, it's just, just like, as I say, I think he de- McLeish absolutely deserves credit for bringing in young, younger players, like guys like McKenna, O'Donnell, Hendry, even. Like you know, it's nice. It's it's good that he's he's recognised that we do need to bring in this next generation of talent. I mean, to blood them, mm. and like Joe, maybe that. You know, Stephen O'Donnell, like, okay, he had a bad game against away to Israel, but you know, he has to play at some. Point. You know, he's doing well. He deserves a spot. And like, if you play for Scotland, you know, you're going to have some bad games because you know we're not very good. <laughs> but I just think that there doesn't seem to be on. on uh, it, it just all comes down to where Lukash can bring that consistency because like, I think that's generally what he's associated with in his career is in that like okay he's he is a consistent coach his teams they play might play defensively they might not be the most attractive on the eye yep. but they do grind out results so but I think when you the problem is like against Israel is when when that doesn't happen there's literally nothing else for fans to cling on to yep. and then that's, that's going to provoke a response you know it's going to get you're going to get fans that are saying well if he's not, if we're not even getting that, then what are we getting out of this? Which, and I think that, that is a legitimate question to ask, and I think that's a fair thing to, for fans to be upset about. But as you say, it's still too early, I think, to be calling for his head. I, again, I'll, I'll admit as well, like, like you, I wasn't enthused when I heard about his his uh, appointment in the first instance. But he should at least be given the qualifying campaign because. I don't know how much. Uh, I don't know how much importance you can put on friendly results because yeah, they're friendly. So like, okay, we've done pretty dreadfully in most of them, and like, that's that's disappointing. Like, I think yeah, you're right. Results and friendlies are meaningless, but performances do still count for something. And okay, even if you're playing against superior opposition, I mean, if the whole thing idea is we're going to qualify for the Euros, like, guess what? We're going to play against superior opposition when we get there too, and. We oh, if we get to the Euros, we'll be too drunk to even realise what's going on. That's true. I mean, like, I guess, like, I mean, I'm, I'm certain that every Scotland fan in the country would be fine to qualify for the Euros and lose every single game. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, 
you need to, I don't know, just, it's the lack of fight that's really worrying me. And I know that's not very 2.1-y in that. It's not very, you know, it's not really status driven or anything like that, or there's not a whole of empirical evidence there. But that's what it seems to be. And I think that's, I think the, the blame for that does lie with McLeish. In that, cause I mean, like you, you say, like yeah, he do, he's not going to change his system because of a one bad result. But I mean, the system was changed. Like between like the Albania game where we won and the Israel game where we lost. Okay, the formation was the same, but the way we played was entirely different. Yeah. You know, and you know that that's the thing that's worrying. That, okay, I understand you want to get a formation, but like if you really want to gain a sort of cultural identity in terms of the style of play then you do need to be a bit more rigid with that, you need to be like stick to it, whereas as Israel, I don't think we had any intention of going coming away with that anything more than a draw. Okay, we took the lead, as I said, entirely fortuitously in my opinion. Yeah. And as I say, like, we just, we never looked confident, we always looked to be on the back foot. And it's, that, that's a big worry, it's a big worry I think for me. To kind of maybe round up the podcast with the most bizarre comparison ever, oh, I'd actually go. maybe compare Alex McLeish to Theresa May uh, in the sense that he's came into this position and he's really probably a victim of circumstance as much as, much as anything really. Um, you know, as we all know, any Scotland manager is under a huge amount of pressure because they are now the ones who have to get this almighty monkey off her back. They have to, you know, turn the tides save a generation blah 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 he's obviously had to come in because Strachan never did that um, and like Theresa May um, he's kind of just had this job he's just kind of landed into this job but no one really expected him to get it in the first place and what's most bizarre is that no one really wanted him to have it either but like Theresa May he's kind of pushing on with it he's probably doing the best he can but there does seem to be an inevitable sense of doom surrounding the whole thing. And it ultimately makes me feel a bit sorry for him because I do kind of feel like, you know, sure he could do his own job as well as badly as he wants, but I do feel like there's still a certain sense that there's an inevitability behind it now. And although I don't think the cliche should go, I do kind of feel like, it, it, it feels like a politician who's just ha kind of hanging on by a thread and it's like one bad PR, came, PR campaign after another bad PR thing. Every time they seem as though they've turned a corner, something else smacks them right back down. Um, and if you don't cry, you laugh sort of thing, do you know? And that's how I kind of feel about McLeish. No, but, it's, it's, it's not a bad analogy and like, there's definitely some truth to it in that, you know, they're both going to be leading their countries to make sure they're out of Europe in 2020, <laughs> you know? <laughs> God almighty, right? <laughs> well, before we start having a run about Brexit, maybe we should wrap things up. Um, we sincerely hope that you heard any of that. Um, we're still not entirely sure. I think a music, I think a band started next door halfway through this podcast. So, um, you we can find the band name in the footnotes. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you played us alongside Alexa, they might be able to tell you what music's been playing in the background the whole time. Um, but yeah, we're really sorry about the sound quality this week. We'll be back to normal next week. Uh, but as ever, please do jump on iTunes or whatever device or program uh, you use to listen to podcasting and do give us a rating uh, and as ever you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and online um, and Instagram actually at the 2.1 and uh, yeah we'll be back next week. <laughs>